Welcome back, listeners, to another episode for the new standard. Want to apologize? Had a little technical difficulties, so we're starting the show a little bit late. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime, Neil Kulong. What's up, Neil? How are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. It's a gorgeous morning. I'm excited to be here talking to you. Excited to be talking a little Steelers football, and all's good. You can't complain about that. It's a great Thursday. Yeah, nice little crisp fall morning. It's uh, getting a little uh, crispy out here, so I like fall. So, yes, it always is a good morning to talk Steeler football. Before we jump into the program, want to let you know you can find the show on YouTube. Do a search for Lance Williams or Neil Kulong and the New Standard. The show is also available on all plat- excuse me, podcast platforms. Any podcast platform that you use, you should be able to find the show. If you can't find it, uh, let one of us know. And uh, we'll try to rectify that. I also want to give a shout out for uh, some of the show sponsors, Cali Baba, uh, Great Dads versus Everybody, Shop Supreme Queen, Assist the Score, UK Steelers Podcast, Steelers Landing, and the Steelers Chat. And if you go to the show on YouTube, we'll have all that information there for you, the links, so you can uh, hopefully uh, support those businesses. They do a great, fantastic job. And so hopefully you will support them with your money and your patronage before we jump into the show and the title of this show is will the Steelers buck the Broncos you gotta love how we come up with these creative titles these spins before we jump into that we talked briefly or I talked briefly on last week's show about a succession plan for the Pittsburgh Steelers and this whole thing about a succession plan to quarterback position and I wanted to speak specifically to some comments that Andrew Brandt made. I love the stuff that Andrew Brandt does. Actually, I think Andrew Brandt, correct me if I'm wrong, was a former GM of the Green Bay Packers. Wasn't a GM. He was an assistant GM. He was the the pro personnel director. He wasn't the general manager. Okay. But he had a prominent position with the Packers. I knew he'd had that. And um, he talked about the Steelers lacking a succession plan with Ben Roethlisberger. And it just dawned on me. They actually had a succession plan. It was just a bad one. The succession plan <laughs> was Mason Rudolph. Because one of the comments he made, and somebody chimed into his comment on Twitter, was, you know, they were talking about the Packers succession plan with Aaron Rodgers. Now with the, um, I think, is it Jordan Love? It was the guy that was drafted two years ago. Jordan Love out of Utah State. And that they're trying to do a second succession plan. And my thought was the Steelers had the same idea. It just didn't work. It's not a good one. Um, And the other one was we talked about, of course, was, you know, the real succession plan for most teams is you lose and you draft a quarterback. The other thing, but but, but speak to that. What wasn't that their succession plan was draft Mason Rudolph? Let me let me say this first and foremost. Yes, I respect Andrew Brandt. Um, He's a good Twitter follow. Uh, I'm I'm not looking to to bash the guy, but it's really just a stupid thought. I get it. You're right. There's no succession plan in place, which honestly he comments on because he was a part of the Favre to Rogers transition in Green Bay. Yeah, you had a plan. You totally expected Aaron Rodgers to be who he was. That's why he was available yeah. for overall. It's nonsense. You're not going to find that it, it, today because of that trade. Jordan Love is a late first round pick instead of probably a third round pick like he should have been. And there's a reason why you had to go through what you did in Green Bay, not him. I shouldn't say that. 
Green Bay went through what it did with Aaron Rodgers this offseason because Jordan Love isn't ready. So their succession plan didn't work, and they spent a lot more capital than Pittsburgh did. They're going to lose Rodgers after this season. Beyond that, what succession plan works? There's a re- there are only like eight players alive who can play this position at a high level. Everybody else is – they have to be propped up by the, the team. Um, they have to be coached up. They have to develop as uh, professionals and men. There's a lot that you have to do to be a good quarterback. It's absolute nonsense to suggest you can just go find one. It clearly doesn't happen. Look around the league. There are some of them who do really well and who are consistent. Many of those are bashed on a daily basis because they're never going to win a championship. They're not good enough. Basically, they're not Patrick Mahomes. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, I guess, is a succession plan. That's a succession plan that a team traded up most of their capital for next, the, the uh, subsequent two drafts to get up and pick. And he was seen largely as a wild card. I loved Patrick Mahomes in college. I love the, the mentality that he had. I love the mental makeup that he had. I'm pretty sure Andy Reid did a little bit more work than I did in developing Patrick Mahomes for an entire season. Okay. Maybe. There's a lot that goes into that. Don't tell me that you expected him to be who he is now. And, and that's why you took him at 11 overall. You traded up to get him. You took a chance. Steelers took a chance. The the Falcons took a chance on Matt Ryan at one point. They needed him, though. Uh, the Jets, I don't know how many quarterbacks they're going to take for their succession plan. They don't have a succession plan. They don't have a plan. Okay? It, it, the Steelers could be a lot worse off is what I'm saying. You don't have a great position to get a franchise-level, foundation, instrumental quarterback at 24 overall. And that's probably the average 24, 25 is their average draft spot in the first round over the last several years. They didn't have the opportunity to draft Aaron Rodgers. That's why they didn't. The Packers. Yes, they did. And great. Good for them. I'm I'm glad that worked out for them. They had a plan. They tried to replicate that plan with Jordan Love and clearly it hasn't worked. So they're regressing to the mean there. There is no average for this. You know, the, the Patriots had to deal a year with Cam Newton before they found Mac Jones at 15 overall. And that's in a, a, a five quarterback first round with a team that, that traded up to get, my opinion anyway, the, the better physical player between the two. They're going to do well with Mac Jones. Mac Jones is a pretty good player. If and when that player is available at 24 overall, you can start talking to me about a succession plan. Otherwise, it's it's cherry picked nonsense. I did my rant at the beginning of the show, Lance. Sorry. Love it. Love it. You know, I love when you rant. You know, I'm being, getting good reviews from friends of mine. They love your rants. No, that's your that's rant. bad for my ego. Don't tell me that. <laughs> I'll keep doing it. Wait, what's wait, hey, what's New Orleans' succession plan? Jameis Winston? That's working out real well. I don't know yeah. how long they had to have a succession plan in place. So they failed, too. Miami? Miami had several succession plans. They took the wrong quarterback because Los right. Angeles had a succession plan that worked. Two quarterbacks went ahead of the guy that they took. Right. You don't know what's going to happen. You can't just make that plan and say that, well, you know, this succeeds because we had a plan in place. That's absolute bullshit. It, it matters on the player. It matters on the fit. And with that, it matters on opportunity and luck. What player is going to fall in, in what draft year and why? That's how it happens. And the Steelers have not had the opportunity for that because their first quarterback was too good. They won all the time. Speaking they didn't win that. a championship, but... Winning a lot puts you in the bottom third of the draft, and you don't get good quarterbacks in the bottom third of the draft anymore. It's just it, it's not going to happen that way. 
you know, and speaking of that, the real succession plan was to continue to put good players around. The yeah. <laughs> and why yeah. wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Why did Green Bay piss off the, the best quarterback in the game? Because they wanted to have a succession plan. That worked. <laughs> Brilliant. He wants out. He's making you, he's calling your bluff. He's making you go with your succession plan now. Yeah, and the amount of heat, point. the amount of heat that Green Bay has had to take because of that, you, you blew two seasons with the MVP of the league because of it. Because you needed to have a succession plan. Nonsense. But now, before we get into news and notes, and we talk about the injury report, because there's a lot of significant news around the Steelers' injury report. There's some guys coming back, and there's some significant injuries on the Denver side that we need to discuss. This whole thing about – we and we talked about it on our last show. It's been washed or rinsed. You said washed. I said rinsed. Potato, potato. It's more of the same. But the one thing I thought about this whole thing was I've never heard Mike Tomlin publicly criticize Ben Roethlisberger ever. And when I think about that, I think that first, that's a great strategy. That might have been the best thing that he's done. One of the best things that he's done as coach. You know, why why have an acrimonious relationship with your franchise player, particularly in the press, and you just, you know, because what I think it lends itself to is you can coach that guy hard behind the scenes because you have his back publicly. So behind the scenes, as anything goes, I'm going to coach you really hard. It makes more sense to do it that way. To that point, Steeler Nation is up in arms with the one and three start. I think right now it's too early in the season. I mean, you've got... I'm going to mess the math up because I still think it's 16 games. You've got 13 more games. That's Don't let me get on that rant. That's just ridiculous, an odd number of games in a season. You have 13 more games. Benching your quarterback, who's obviously better, even as bad as he's playing, I think, than Mason Rudolph. We're not even going to say Dwayne Haskins. That, that, it's too early to, to even think of that. But even if the Steelers got to that point, Tomlin will have you have to put a gun to, to Tomlin's head to bench Ben. He's not benching Ben. If the decision is to bench Ben, Tomlin is not going to do it. And he should not do it. You ride with the guy that got you here. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, Tomlin's done a, a, a ton of work. He's developed a team, coach players, but they're ride or die. They're ride or die together, and they should be. You know, there's no Mike Tomlin without Ben Roethlisberger. That is a symbiotic relationship that he is not going to separate in part. He will play Ben until Ben physically can't play anymore, and that's the decision. So if Steeler Nation is hoping that Mike Tomlin benches his guy, if it's up to Tomlin alone, it's not happening. You don't bench a guy out of vengeance, and I think that that's the perspective that fans take with this. There's a lot of history at work here and there's a lot of future acrimony at work here what we have to remember is in in this particular case and i i've been kind of more on the side of the salary cap isn't real than than most people i think in this particular case because they exploited the salary cap for as long as they did that bill was going to have to come due at some point i feel it was a necessary evil at that time knowing that this year was eventually going to come. They couldn't pin down what year it was, but this year, as in they're going to get a bad quarterback who costs a lot on the salary cap uh, in an effort to keep their team competitive enough to be able to go out and play the last couple of years like they did. 
they, in my opinion, they went all in last year. They won 11 games in a row. People were happy about it. They were talking about Ben as an MVP. They were talking about possibly making a run to a Super Bowl. Granted, that all fell apart. We're still stuck in that now, but it doesn't change the fact that they set themselves up in the situation that they were in. That was intentional. You can't get around it. So what they had to do was talk to Ben and say, look, we're in a real tough spot. You, to some degree, cost more not on our team than to be on our team. We need you to take a pay cut. Otherwise, we're going to have to do something that costs both of us money. If we cut you, you sit as $25 million dead on our salary cap, and we have to start Mason Rudolph. You see him every day, too. You know he's not ready to do that, or he's not going to be ready to do that. Take a pay cut. Come back. You'll be our starting quarterback. You're going to have your farewell year. You're going to bank one more big paycheck, and we'll give you the, the hero send-off. Ben says, okay, I'll do that. I'll take $5 million less. You do not bench me. I play every game I am able to play. Okay, deal, agreed, done. What you don't want is to go back on that and have another 40-year feud with a quarterback the way that you do with Terry Bradshaw. You wake up every day assuming that Bradshaw is going to take a shot at him for something. He's been doing it forever. You don't want to set that up with Ben. You don't need to. Everything else with this team strongly suggests they're in a transition. Where fans are, are going awry with all of it is suggesting this team was trying to compete for a Super Bowl this year. I don't know how you could possibly argue with, with the makeup that they have. They were going to be competitive. They'd be better, I'm sure, with a better quarterback. I am not at all saying Ben Roethlisberger is better. What I am saying is Mason Rudolph is not any better. You probably had to agree, gentlemen's agreement that we'll never hear about, you probably had to agree with Ben that he's not going to be benched because Ben, as stubborn as he is, I don't think he believed he could have gone out this year and been Ben in 2014. I don't think he thought he was going to be that level of player. There is no reason anybody objectively could look at him at the end of last season and think he was going to be good this year. But he cost them less to be on the team, and they have to get past his cap charge in order to move forward in the, in the immediate future. That's it. OK, it, it, you, you couldn't get around yeah. that. So in the meantime, while they're dealing with a, a rough quarterback situation, which is not a lack of foresight on their part, it's the cost of doing business from a couple of years ago. They are building up other areas of this team that not coincidentally are the ones that are going to be the rookie quarterback's best friend next year. This is all part of a plan. It's just not a plan that you can just you know flip a few buttons and, and maintain a, an 11, 12 win level team. Your quarterback isn't good enough to maintain that, period. We saw it last year. It, it's obviously happening now, and this is going to continue. This is where sexy tanking comes into play. While you are getting past your quarterback, which is really what Ben is doing right now, let's be honest, he's not going to be good. He's just not. Rudolph isn't going to be any better, but you made an agreement with Ben. The only reason he's here is because he took a pay cut. He didn't have to take a pay cut. That was not the team's choice. Ben could it, whether we like this or not, Ben could have been released and he would have signed somewhere else for probably that same amount of money. Look at the free agency market. You had Andy Dalton and you had Ryan Fitzpatrick. Don't tell me a team is not going to pay Ben Roethlisberger to come in and be a bridge quarterback. Absolutely. He could have gone somewhere else. If he would have said, no, I'm not taking a pay cut, they would have had to cut him and you would have dealt with that for the remainder of your existence. You cut Ben Roethlisberger. They do it with Troy. It happened with Franco. It, it, they don't want to have to do that. 
So they worked out an agreement. And in, in the process of this, while they have been essentially as a bridge quarterback, they're building up everything else around them. They're trying to rebuild their offensive line. And don't tell me that they didn't do anything with the offensive line. They drafted two of them. They signed three of them. They did plenty of things with the offensive line. They need to build up together. They need to. They need reps. That's where we are. You added a tight end. You added a running back. You're going to do things with defense in next year's free agency class as well as in the draft. Then they're going to be in a position where they can take the step forward. So really, this is step one and a half back in order to take the two steps forward. It's rough right now, but they're going to be in a better place. They, it, it's just not going to happen now. And don't expect it in week five or week six either. It's not going to happen that quickly. So let's transition to this week's game against the Denver Broncos. You want to quickly break down uh, some significant injuries, at least from the perspective of both teams. And I know there are some prominent Steeler players. Well, I know McFarland is trying to come back. I know he practiced. He was on IR. Uh, give a quick rundown of the injury report, specifically from the Denver side. Have you heard anything about Teddy Bridgewater still being in a protocol, or is it is it possible that he will play this Sunday? What I have heard about Teddy Bridgewater to this point is he's still in the concussion protocol, but they have uh, faith that he will practice on Friday, and if he does, they expect him to play. Uh, Mike Tomlin said in his press conference the other day, they expect Teddy Bridgewater. If it's not Bridgewater, it'll be Drew Locke. Um, not the, the greatest player I think that anybody's ever seen. It's not the greatest concern of the Steelers right now as far as the, who the opposing quarterback is, but you're absolutely taking a step back from facing Aaron Rodgers on the road. You, you have to think Bridgewater, who's, who played really well in, in the time that he had, he got hurt against a good Ravens team that, uh, that beat him up. They didn't protect him very well at all. You get Bridgewater in that game, you've got more of a challenge for sure. It's just not Rodgers' level. Uh, uh, talent. Their offense isn't at that point just yet. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence either that odds are pretty good Aaron Rodgers is going to end up in Denver next year, uh, probably because of the, the quarterback situation that they've had. So um, that that's the big one for them. They are not particularly uh, ravaged with injuries. The Steelers, though, uh, had a couple more added on that I don't think we knew about going into it. Um, Ben added a hip injury to his growing list of maladies. Um, he would have missed practice Wednesday anyway, but they have him listed as uh, pectoral and the hip. I think those are two injuries that are probably going to stay with him all year. Cam Sutton was new. Um, another guy with a groin injury. He did not practice Wednesday. Kevin Dotson has a hip injury. He was out. Carlos Davis with that knee injury again. Uh, he is he was out Wednesday practice as well. I think Davis is probably going to be a week to week thing. I wouldn't expect him. Um, Chuks Akorafor, who was in the concussion protocol, he did practice fully, so I think you can probably expect him back. Um, that's probably going to come at the consternation of many fans who think that Bison alum Joe Haig probably should continue to start at right tackle. And well, I think you probably know how I feel about that. Um, Zach Banner is not listed on this at all. He is still practicing with the team. He is not eligible to be on the injury report. We don't know whether or not he is going to be activated uh, to the 53-man roster in time to play. We'll see how that goes. Cam Hayward uh, is listed as having a neck injury. He was limited, as was Chase Claypool with that hamstring injury that caused him to miss last week's game. But Claypool has already said on social media uh, he's, he's ready to go, it seems like. Um, they expect him back. Juju Smith-Schuster was limited with the rib injury that uh, he had two weeks ago. He played last week. Um, probably could have had at least one touchdown pass if their 
quarterback with the pectoral and hip injury had hit him in stride with two throws. Yeah. That didn't work out. Uh, Trey Turner has an illness. We won't get into whether or not that was caused by a Raiders player spitting in his face. He was limited. Um, that is everybody, right? And Rashad Coward, who I don't even know what he does on the field, uh, was limited with an ankle injury. And, and to Mel's question, with, with Tuit, will Tuit make it back? I think no one knows. It, when two it's going to play if he's going to play there's something weird going on with to it but i think it would be mere speculation on our point i have no idea when, when he's going to be back and i don't even know if i'm optimistic if he's going to be back at some point it just feels like he's a part of the team but he isn't a part of the team but i wanted right. to I wanted to transition. Let me, let me add, though, really quick, okay. though. Uh, I forgot about Anthony McFarland, who did practice yesterday. Right. He also, uh, coming off injured reserve, he has 21 days to be activated to the active roster, which is the same as uh, Zach Banner. Stefan Tuitt is the third that's on IR eligible to come back. He has not practiced, so we don't know what's happening with Tuitt. Um, You have to think it's close. If it's not this week for Banner and McFarland, it'll be next week. Um, before they're by. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens um, with them. But it, to it is the question mark, and we're not hearing anything about them. Um, no idea of what's going to happen there. Now, in this segment of the show, listeners, we try to take a metric or a number to kind of recap the previous game, and that would be the Packer game. Of course, I have more than one number because <laughs> that's just kind of how I do it. So let me jump into a couple of numbers um, and it's not necessarily a recap of just the Packer game, but it's kind of just an overall recap. And, and it's kind of centered around, you know, I think this offense needs more snaps overall in games, as Mike Tomlin would say, in the theater of play to 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 get to get better. They're not they're, they're not there's not enough snaps. I mean, they're only averaging you know, roughly about 55 to 50, maybe about 58 snaps a game. They need to play more. That's just one number I want to throw out. Here's a number that I want to throw out. It's the number six. The Steelers have scored six offensive touchdowns in four games. They're averaging one and a half touchdowns per game. If you think that's bad, the Chiefs had five touchdowns against the Eagles. To score six touchdowns in four games, where that puts you in this, and, and, and we've split it up, Neil and myself, we've split it up. We go offensive touchdowns, and then we go like teams, team points per game and offensive points per game. Their offense, as an offense, is averaging 13.5 points per game. I mean, the Jets are averaging 11. I mean, the Jets are averaging like 11.1. Let me give you another another number. QBR of 36.3, and that's ESPN's proprietary number that they use to rank quarterbacks. That QBR number, the only quarterbacks in the National Football League with worse QBRs that are qualifying players, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields, and David Mills. I think it's Davis Mills from the Houston Texans. That's just bad. Let me let me give that's you three rookies and a guy no one's ever heard of before. That's We're not rookies. even sure what his first name is. And so <laughs> let me give you two last numbers and, 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 and some numbers that I think okay. have to improve if they're going to win because they need more snaps again. 
But these are just some other numbers I wanted to throw in there. On third down, they're 17th in, in football. Uh, they're only converting 40.7% of their third down attempts. Unfortunately, on defense, though, they're 25th. Teams are converting 45.5%. So that's also one of the reasons why the snaps are distorted. And you saw that in this game against Green Bay. It was another distorted snap football game where Green Bay, I believe, maybe had 20 additional snaps. They converted a bunch of third downs, were better in the red zone. Again, it's this offense. The defense, I don't think, is playing to its reputation as well. But again, it's this offense. And, it, and this offense has to get fixed. So let me transition and shift to you, Neil. What's your number or numbers to kind of recap where the Steelers are and to recap that Steelers versus Packers game? I think this number fits both where they are, where they're going, and what what this game was. It's 98. That is the amount of pass attempts that Ben Roethlisberger has had the last two weeks. This is a team that spent, as I mentioned before, two draft picks and millions of dollars, not a ton, but a couple million dollars at least, in its offensive line. It drafted a tight end in the second round. It drafted a running back in the first round. I'm not a genius, Lance, but that, that kind of suggests you want to be better at running the ball, right? Yes, you do. A large part of that is because you have a 39-year-old quarterback who's been beaten up and clearly doesn't have any mobility left at this point. You need to be able to run the ball at least kind of successfully. Instead, in weeks three and four of this season, of a longer season, you have thrown the ball 98 times in two games, both of which you lost heavily. Um, and did not compete offensively in either one. That it, I'll get into the defensive part here in a second, but that is absolutely miserable. You're, he's not going to survive. Okay, he just isn't. And I, I don't know. You know, maybe that's maybe that's part of the idea here. Um, I, I don't think at this point there is any chance and last the entire year. I don't think you need to bench him because I think he's going to get hurt or he's going to throw his arm off or both. You cannot have Ben Roethlisberger throwing 98 times in, in two games. I don't care where the ball is going and doesn't really seem like Ben cares where it's going either. It's not going to end well for him physically. They ran the ball better in this game. Najee Harris, second number is 4.0. He cracked the 4.0 uh, yards per carry mark. That's a, that's a banner day for him in his career so far. I don't think anybody would have bet on that leading into this game. And Green Bay is pretty banged up defensively. They're not a good defensive team. The Steelers showed some things running the football in this game that I think we should be somewhat encouraged about. Again, we're not on the Super Bowl train. We're, I'm not even on the playoff train. I, I just think steady improvement from the offensive line in particular is going to go well in, in terms of planning for next season and beyond. We saw some good things from Harris. We saw reason why they drafted him where they did. We saw a reason why he's playing as many snaps as he is. I was excited about that. I thought that was good. Total plays, though, you get into this part of it. I'm going to explain why this is on both of them. 72 to 58. And the 58 is, is largely drummed up because Green Bay uh, uh, was way up at the end and didn't need to, to really run anything offensively and really didn't. The problem was their possession before half which was the result of a, a, a bad call by the officiating, in my opinion. I don't think Joe Hayden or Minka Fitzpatrick were off sides in that field goal. Uh, but the, the drive that led to that field goal 
and subsequently the the um, the possession after uh, the half, the start of the third quarter, Rodgers did basically whatever he wanted. And the Steelers' defense, while they they stood up as best they could, they got damaged. Uh, you can't give up another number nine for fifteen on third downs. Um, these are the the keys on both sides of the ball. You have to get a team off the field when you have the opportunity to do so. And you need to win those downs to extend drives. Nine of 15 for the Packers, four of 11 for the Steelers. Four of 11 isn't good. It's not horrible. Nine of 15 is pretty damn good. And um, it, it seemed to me, in all fairness, Rodgers ripped this team up by and large. And he didn't play his best. So that that's a concern of mine. Um, I, I didn't think their defense played well in this game at all. They did not win the key drive, key downs on drives that they had to. And I think Green Bay should have scored more than 27. I don't think that was a good game for them offensively. They ran well. Um, we can give them that. But Rodgers will probably be the first one to say it. He did not play a, a, a great game. That is surprising to me. The Steelers' defense, which needed to carry this team, is dragging itself now uh, to, to the quarter mark of the season not playing very good football and I, I they're, they're going to need some help at, at some point you're going to need to get plays not on special teams um from Minka Fitzpatrick we are not seeing that at all this year to this point and now they're not rushing the passer well they're not doing that I, I don't know how this team wins against anybody except the Jets and they don't play the Jets yeah it's it's ironic that you say that one because when I, I when I did a rewatch of the Packers game it felt Although it was a real game, obviously, it felt like the Packers were kind of in third gear. Like they were kind of cruising to a victory. They didn't feel threatened. They kind of just coasted to a win, sort of. Like, you know, this is not our best game. They're not really good. Yeah, we can kind of win it how we win it. And they kind of just got through the game in a professional manner and, and won the game and on to next week. It wasn't really a high-functioning, crispy, really game. They just kind of made the necessary plays. But let's jump into our breakdown of the Broncos game. And we always start with this basic theme when we're breaking down the games. What do they do well that you don't? Or what do you do well that they don't? Just strengths and weaknesses. Just looking at it very simply in that way. And I wanted to start off with the Steelers' defense versus the Broncos. I took the opportunity this week to watch quite a few Broncos games and disagree with me, if you will. Um, when I look at the Broncos, they're a running team. You know, they're, they're one of the few teams um, in the national football league Ravens. There's a couple others that really emphasize the run. I mean, they're running at 28 times a game, which is 10th in the league. They're averaging 122 yards uh, per game, which is 11th in the league. Um, they, they're really rushing the football. They, they average 4.3 yards per carry. They have a nice combination of the rookie Javante Williams, who a lot of Steeler fans liked, and you've got Melvin Gordon the third. They look like a really traditional run-first play-action football team where they mix some intermediate stuff and they take some occasional deep shots uh, to Cortland Sutton. They just look like an old-school team. Not a lot of shifts, not a lot of motions. Um, they kind of line up and they present what they do. Um, you got the tight ends that they have. Um, 
they look solid. I mean, they just look like a solid football team. I'm not sure how good they are because they've played Jacksonville and the Jets as well, but they just look like a solid team that's well coached, not really great, don't make a ton of mistakes. But in looking at this matchup, the Steelers' defense versus the Broncos' offense, how do you think this goes? How, how is this matchup? Um, because we're talking about what do the Steelers, what do they do well? I still think the strength of the Steelers' defense, when healthy, is their front seven. When you have Hayward, you have Gordon, and you have Highsmith playing, I think that's the strength uh, of the defense and their ability to get to the passer. And that's one thing I think that Denver doesn't do well that stood out is they don't protect the quarterback well. They've given up 12 sacks, which is 27th in the league. There are five of those came against Baltimore, too. Yeah, and they got beat up against Baltimore. Um, So how do you think it looks when you're talking about this Steeler defense against this Broncos offense? I think the Broncos, while I'll say this, top to bottom, what a a great bounce of the schedule for them to start off (laughs) New York and Jacksonville on the road. Um, You come home to play the Jets. Baltimore's the only good team they've played, and they beat up pretty good on the first three that they played, and Baltimore punched them in the mouth. And I think that kind of shows Denver is better than the bottom, but they're not at the top either. What they can do that the Steelers don't do well is they're going to run a gap a lot. They're going to go straight at what seems to be the, the weakest point of the Steelers' defense, which is inside. They're not The Steelers got moved off the ball at a pretty heavy level against Green Bay. Green Bay is not a, a dominant running team. They're not a team that uses that as their fastball. Denver does. Teddy Bridgewater yes. has played well, but what they are is a, a, a team that can run to control tempo and they can hit on big plays. They've got some serious yes. dudes in, in, in their big play uh, capability, and Bridgewater had the ability to get them the ball. Um, if he's playing, I think that's what they're going to do. I think they're going to run a lot. They're going to basically say, look, Denver, Pittsburgh can't score. They're not going to score against our defense. We know that. What we need to do is, is hold on to the ball and choke them out. When we get the opportunity to go over the top, we will. But by and large, we're going to move their middle, and we're going to run the ball. We're going to take the crowd out of this. Exactly as you said, this is an old-school football team. I think that's exactly how they're going to approach the game. And I, I don't think Pittsburgh is, is going to be good enough to uh, – uh, to, to affect their game plan any. Um, Isaiah Bugs has not played particularly well. Davis hasn't even played. Um, you've got louder milk that can come in. Uh, Chris Warmley has, has done a pretty decent job overall. But if it's not Cam Hayward at this point up front, they're not getting a whole lot of production from him. Uh, TJ Watt, in my opinion, looked hurt all of last game. He played poorly. Um, Highsmith made a play or two and disappeared. It didn't take much for Green Bay to take Pittsburgh's defense out of the game. And Rodgers has a large part of that. But this is a much better football team. And I I would disagree with you on the offensive line. I think they ran into a tough matchup against Baltimore, and I think they got smacked in the mouth. Uh, But you got a week of practice to to defend a pretty injury-riddled Steelers front seven. They're going to be able to take over this game. And I I think Denver is going to hold possession and squeeze it out the rest of the way. The one thing I saw in that Denver game is I didn't like the tackles. Um, you know, I, I didn't I, I didn't like the tackles, uh, particularly I'm not certain of the player's name. It was the left tackle in particular. Garrett um, Bowles. Yeah, I didn't like the tackles. I, I thought, you know, and, and I hate the stat pressures, but um, it could be the case that they did run into a bad matchup with, with the Ravens because, I mean, in addition to 
your point of having a lucky schedule, they started with the Giants as well. So they've played mm-hmm. – They've played they three beat up on three of the worst teams in the NFL to start the season. And then, so, they, then they played Baltimore and got destroyed. Yeah, and so it's 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 weird when I look at this team um in terms of what they are, but I was astonished uh with the the amount of power that they ran. It was just traditional A gap power. I mean, they were running straight ahead, you know, against these lighter boxes that they see when teams try to get really exotic. Um you know, they, they they just were running a ton of power. And I was like, wow, this is downhill. This looks like old school Steeler football. A lot of power running, play action, throwing it up top and trying to hit deep shots. Um, let's transition to the Steelers offense against this Broncos defense. Let me give you some numbers. And a lot of this could be because they've played three really bad offensive teams. Nonetheless, you still are playing in the National Football League. If you pitch a shutout, that's significant. It may not happen again this year. You know, pitching shutouts is almost damn yeah, impossible. You don't, you don't see that much anymore, and it's usually the Jets. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, less, of, it's less of a defensive accomplishment and more of a complete failure on offense. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, man, you should stumble into a field goal. But let me run yeah. off um, a couple of the numbers. And, and, and it was interesting when I looked at this, the Broncos' numbers, it kind of looked like a great, like everything that they give up in terms of the numbers, it's like they're playing the Steelers, right? It almost like the numbers kind of line up and, and it's kind of yeah. eerie. They give up 12.2 points per game. Steelers average 13 a game. Um, you know, they've given up, um, they're only giving up 4.6 yards per play. I think the Steelers get like four and a half uh, rushing yards per game. They give up 70. The Steelers give up. They run less than 70, you know, rushing yards per attempt, 3.5. The Steelers are around 3.5. It's almost like their defense, again, has a great matchup against a bad offense. And so what we've seen is they are very good against average offensive teams. And this Steelers offensive team is not average. It's bad. So when you look at, this Steeler offense against this Bronco defense, you know, what stands out for you in terms of an advantage for the Steelers? I mean, I saw, you know, in that Bronco game, Hollywood Brown was able to get behind um, Denver secondary several times, had a pretty good game. Um, I mean, where do you think the Steelers are struggling offense against a, a, a Vic Fangio coordinated defense and Vic Fangio is considered with, with the highest reputation in the National Football League as a coordinator. I mean, where do you see the Steelers have some sort of advantage in this matchup of going against a well-coordinated Vic Fangio defense? They, they don't have any advantage. I mean, it's not <laughs> – we're beyond that point. We're talking about the Jets getting shut out. I don't think the Steelers are too far off from, from being a, a team that can get shut out. Um, I, I will say this. I think that the Steelers, their approach at this point right now, it, it's much more nameless gray faces than it is worrying about specifics on what the opponent is going to do. They don't protect particularly well. One game doesn't swing that, although they, they I thought they did play a lot better last week. The reason they played better very well could be the absence of Chooks of Okorafor in their lineup. Um, if he's going to play, and I don't know, 
if he's going to play, they've they've got the same test that um, they had the first three games when he didn't play or when he did play and they failed. So I I don't know. They don't do anything well. They really don't. I I don't know how anybody could say otherwise. At this point, they have a quarterback who doesn't throw the ball downfield. It doesn't seem their their coordinator uh, sets him up for much success to get rid of the ball. They have a protection scheme that doesn't work or seems to be grossly misunderstood by the entire offensive line, which is new and still growing. They're trying to run the ball for about 14 plays a game, and they only run 58 plays a game. They don't score on many of those plays. Six touchdowns in in four games is 1988 non-San Francisco 49ers football. You're not going to win today with those numbers. I don't think Denver has to do much to stop them. I think they stop themselves just fine. They don't get their tight ends involved in the game. They only throw to their wide receivers in certain positions. They only throw to their running back on fourth down, yet they're still committed to going for it in every fourth down that they have. None of this suggests at all that they they have anything offensively to throw at anybody, let alone Denver, a a well-coached unit with playmakers. They're able to do much more than than Pittsburgh is. Pittsburgh isn't going to score, and we saw it. What's the the main – the main talking point of last week through halftime was the fact that the officials took a touchdown off the board from the Steelers who would have scored their second touchdown on special teams this year. Okay. Yeah. That's only a third fewer than their offenses scored. And you gave yeah. them the second half in that game to reach yes. that mark. Wow. It, it's, they're not a good offensive team. They, there's nothing that Denver needs special that Denver needs to do to stop them. They, they don't have dudes. There's just, you know, it, we're, we're beyond the point now and we should be anyway to act as if their wide receivers with the quarterback that they have are going to be able to impact much. Deontay Johnson is a good receiver. I'm really happy to see that, that he's rebounding from a pretty tough end of, the, of, of last season. He's catching the ball. He's a playmaker. I'm not Mark Madden. I'm not interested in, in ripping apart Juju Smith-Schuster and Chase Claypool at every opportunity that, that there is. Neither of them have, have proved themselves to be this season – difference-making players. Juju may as well not even be there. Uh, he's he's playing and he's running routes like he's a tight end. They're not utilizing him at all. I don't know why. I'm not. I'm just telling you what is happening on the field. Whatever their strategic reason is, they're not utilizing him. And a large part of it is because they did so often in the past, especially in that three to five yard range, which is you know kind of fit for your tight end they know that he's getting the ball and they know that that's where he wants to go. So they're not utilizing him down the field. Claypool didn't play last week. Maybe things change a little bit, but Deontay can get open down the field. They could use him. I think Ben would like to go to him. They'd like to go to Claypool. They don't get many opportunities to do that. Deontay Johnson is more of a difference-making player right now than Chase Claypool is. I really thought Claypool would be more this season than he has been. He's not making much of a difference. They're lobbing it up to him. 50-50 ball, he comes down with it probably less than 50-50, and he draws pass interference, which is nice. That's not a staple of an offense. That's a play that you run every now and again. And again, they're only running 58-60 plays a game. So you need a lot of those to to make a difference with that few of of, uh, opportunities. And none of them are really converting into points. So top to bottom, to me, they they don't have an offense – really, that, that Denver should worry about. I don't see any reason why they score more than one touchdown. I in, in, I mean, certainly they could, but I, I couldn't tell you right now there's a, a strategic advantage that they have. There's not a personnel advantage that they have uh, that, that should change Denver's mindset at all. Does this get messy in terms of trying to block uh, Von Miller? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Von Miller is not a, a, an easy mark. <laughs> you know, he's, he's going to eat. Uh, it, most edge rushers against this team are, are going to have games. What that does though, is it creates a problem with utilization. Somebody brought up Matt Canada's offense and the most overrated concept. And I've been saying this since, since we got, he got hired in February. It's not about the scheme. It's about the personnel. When you don't have tackles who can protect the edge on their own, you have to give them help. The help comes from your running back and your tight end. You can't utilize those guys in the passing game if they have to stay in the block. They're at that point. So it, there's not much you're going to be able to do if you can't stop a guy one-on-one. Von Miller is not a guy that you can just stop one-on-one. So that's fewer targets going to the only players that Ben throws to. That's more incompletions. That's more takeaways. That's bad. So you put all those things together – just the presence of Von Miller, just the, you know, really just kind of putting him out there and letting him go is going to be detrimental to the Steelers offense. Yeah, it's going to be really tough, I, I think, in this matchup. And I think Vegas having the Steelers at a one and a half point favorite says it all. Um, it says that they still believe in the Steelers slightly. They're kind of hedging their bet. I think because Denver has played such bad teams. I don't know, and an issue with Teddy Bridgewater and his health, um, I, I, I think they're reticent to make them the favorite in this matchup. But let's jump to prediction time. I agree with everything you said about this. I think looking at the Broncos' defense, I don't know necessarily how good it is, but it has shown that it is good enough to stop bad offenses. And that's what this Steelers' offense is right now. I mean, a bad mm-hmm. offense – it's a layup for this defense, for a well-coordinated defense with with a, with solid guys in the secondary Simmons. I mean, you got the rookie that they got out of Alabama, the new corner. I mean, they're solid. They got Von Miller. Chubb is out. But this is a solid defensive team that's well-coached and well-coordinated. So we know that they match up really well against average defenses. Another stat I wanted to throw out there, and it was just weird looking at it, the, the harmony between the stats – of what Denver gives up and what the Steelers produce, it it was just it was just weird. Like the Steelers average probably around 260, 270 yards per game on offense. That's what Denver gives up, 267.8. So it feels like the perfect match and the perfect fit when you're talking about a defense that has shown that it can stop average offenses. They're comfortable average offense. this team. Like <laughs> they, have no, they have no problem with this. Yeah, it's like, you know, stopping a bad offense is one thing. And one thing Denver did do well in the game against the Ravens, I thought, is they played the Ravens running game pretty well. And I don't know if that's a function of the Ravens don't have, you know, all of their really good running backs in the game. And we did see a a Le'Veon Bell sighting in that game as well. Uh, But, you know, still, you know, they're stopping professional offenses, whether those offenses are bad or not. They are, and I think this is a game in which I think the Steelers' offense will struggle. I think the only reason why this game may be close will be if Drew Locke gets the start. I think if if Drew Locke gets the start, it's a very tough watch for both fan bases. I think offensively, you know, it'll it'll be a very tough game. It'll be turnovers on both sides because I do think the Steelers will be able to get pressure because I think Denver's offensive line is average, and they did give up some pressure stuff on some blitz stuff that Baltimore was trying to do. So if it's a Drew Locke and Ben Roethlisberger, I think it's a 
you know, the most touchdowns either team will score will be two. It'll be a very tight game. If it's Teddy Bridgewater, I think they beat the Steelers more comfortably. Either way, I'm picking the Denver Broncos to go to, to Hines Field and get a win. I just have no confidence in this offense. If I were to throw out a score, if they start Drew Locke, I think the game is 20 to 10. Um, if they start Teddy Bridgewater, um, I think the Steelers lose, you know, maybe 21-13, something like that. They get a touchdown and a field goal. Only way I see the Steelers winning this game is if they produce turnovers and get short field to help this offense. What's your prediction for the game, Neil? And that that's that's the big thing. What what makes predictions so difficult is you can't plan for turnovers. And in this case, you're not 100% sure uh, who Denver's going to put under center. But what we know is Drew Locke um, has been given multiple opportunities with Denver to, to be their starting quarterback. They brought in Bridgewater for a reason. And he's not supposed to start if Bridgewater is healthy. If Bridgewater plays, it's going to be uh, on one day of practice and at least kind of, you know, messed up head. It, it's not an injury that you can just overcome necessarily. I don't have 100% faith that Bridgewater is going to go out there and just deal dimes all over the field. But I think he protects the ball well enough to say they're going to maintain possession of it. And if the Steelers can't get takeaways, I have no reason to think their offense is going to be able to put together three, four drives of 75 yards uh, to, to get points. They're just not good enough to do that. I want to say 24-13, something like that, 24-17 maybe. Um, I think Denver wins this game either way just because I think their defense is going to be too much. I don't trust it. We're getting to the point with Ben where he's making more and more reckless decisions with the ball. He's going to be made to pay for that uh, more often as the season goes on because people are watching it. Um, they can't go for it on fourth down anymore. They clearly don't have anything equipped for that. That's going to bleed over into short yard situations on third downs as well. All of that means, uh, again, fewer possessions, uh, less time of possession. And uh, assuming he doesn't turn it over, because if he does, it, it's going to be Denver 27 something. They're going to put more points on the board. Um, Denver 24, Pittsburgh 13. That's what I'm going to go with. We got Mel in here. Mel thinks the Steelers win 17-13. That's definitely a grind-em-up game. I'm not against that either. I could see that happening. I mean, I could see that happening too, with 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 especially if Drew Locke plays. Um, Grayson has Denver 26-17. You know, any score scenario that I think of, I don't think the Steelers are exceeding 20 points without turnovers. I mean, I just don't I, I don't see uh that they can get I just don't see three. I don't see three. I'd be I'd be super surprised if three touchdowns were scored by the Steelers' offense. Yeah. Now maybe you get an interception on Drew Locke or something like that. You it, it have to be something like that from what we've seen straight up. If Denver doesn't turn the ball over, I don't see Pittsburgh scoring more than than twice in the game. And big two, up two to touchdowns. Grayson. I'll give them. Grayson is bit is done. I'm glad to see it and say it. I don't live in my fears. I'm ready for a new QB in a new era. I love that phrase. Don't I, I don't I don't think that that sentiment is something the team isn't aware of either. And I don't think yes. that they were unaware of it in March. It, it's what they have to do. People mistake this as an active choice. Ben was going to cost $24 million in the cap if they cut him. And then you're starting Mason Rudolph because you can't go out and yeah. afford as sad as this is. You can't go out and afford Ryan Fitzpatrick at $14 million. You can't afford Andy Dalton at $10 million. 
you it, the cap space uh, uh, that Ben would have taken up if he did not play was detrimental enough that you had a really a market of one and a half. You had Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins, a guy that in his Super Bowl, the preseason finale against a bunch of backups, played decidedly worse than Ben has in any game this season. You did not want Dwayne Haskins starting this season. You you just don't. You probably don't want him starting next year, but it's Rudolph or it's Haskins. That was your choice going into it. That would have been worse for the team financially. They had to get past Roethlisberger's cap. It is not a question of whether or not Roethlisberger should play. They didn't have a choice. Financially, this was the best option by a, a pretty clear margin, in my opinion. Yeah, there's no way you're going to play. You're going to pay more for the worst player. That just doesn't make any sense. Blizzard Game Gaming said 1917. And big up to Blizzard, new listener. Big up to Blizzard. Make sure you like and subscribe to show. 19-7 Steelers. Najee Harris finally gets over 100 yards on the ground. Let me jump into another prediction from the live chat. Marcus J. What's up, Marcus J.? Hope you're health. Hope you're doing well. Um, 28-14, Steelers, Ben Statline, 20-33, to 15-3 TDs, Harris over 100 on the ground. Book it. Yeesh. Yeah, hey, I hope so. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> hope so. Wow. Yeesh. <laughs> Woo. Been 300 yards. I Hey, man. This if I had any faith in this team playing at home, I might think that. You know, they, they haven't played a good game at home in a long time. I mean, they've, they've looked pretty bad to, to this point uh, this season in their two home games. They come back and um, a, a home game is typically the, the game that you would see Ben go off for numbers like that. But I don't know. I, I don't it's see a, that. It's a new day. It's a new dawn. And I'm feeling good trying to uh, mess up Nina Simone lyrics. But anyway, let me get into my pet peeve and my little rant before we go. And, and and thanks to Mel for posting this because this is kind of where my pet peeve is going. Melvin, what's up, Mel? Uh, said, uh, I was laughing all day with this Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh mess. You know what one of my pet peeves is? You know what pet peeve is? And maybe that's why I need to stay off Twitter. <laughs> Every guy that gets cut is going to the Steelers. Every free agent is going to the Steelers. I'm a Steeler fan. I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm a North Sider. 15233 to the day I die. The Roonies and my family are from the same neighborhood. Used to see Pop Rooney walking around Manchester, walking around the North Side by CCAC over by West Park. Um, there's more teams in the National Football League than the Steelers. I mean, I know we're Steelers fans, but it's not. The whole global orbit of football does not surround itself around Pittsburgh. There's 31 other teams that guys may want to play for. So, Steelers fans, every free agent that's available is not necessarily coming to the Steelers. I'm tired of seeing Instagram photos of Aaron Rodgers in a jersey with a Steeler helmet on. I'm tired of seeing Stephon Gilmore with a makeshift Steelers shirt on and a helmet. And Look, they are what they are. Here's my other pet peeve. Losing happens. Teams lose football games. Teams go through 
ebbs and flows. Well, maybe some teams do, some teams don't. Like everybody can't be the Patriots and win for damn near 20 years straight. It happens. You go, there's some ups, there's some downs. I'm tired of Steeler fans complaining every week when they lose. They're going to lose. This is where they are. Be on the ground floor of watching young players develop and get excited, hopefully, about the future of that as they're in this transition period. I mean, I lived through the 80s watching bad Steeler football after the 70s. You think that you don't think that wasn't bad Steeler fans after dominating a decade, being used to winning, all of a sudden now you're losing? It's inconsistent watching your heroes get old. Steeler fans, buck up and go with the ride. Enjoy the season. Still, there's still some enjoyment in this. Watch the next superstar, the budding next guy, the next player, and be on the ground floor with this. But one, everybody doesn't want to go to the Steelers and play for the Steelers. The Steelers aren't going to sign every free agent that's available. Stop making GIFs or GIFs or JPEGs or .png files of random players with Steeler jerseys on and helmets. No, they're not going to the Steelers. That was my rant for this week. Mine kind of goes off of that. The big thing that I'll say is more of the concept of why players are saying, players, why people on Twitter in particular are saying what they're saying. Twitter, the one thing it absolutely does not create is consensus of anything. There's no unified voice that says these things. So there's always going to be a fan that wants to have Stefan Gilmore sign. Usually the fan has absolutely no idea what it would take to, to make something like that happen. Okay. Let's go into the Rogers thing. There's nuance that comes with, um, it, it, what do you want to call this? Extended contract negotiations within social media. Aaron Rodgers appears every week on the Pat McAfee show. Pat McAfee is a diehard, loyal Yinzer. The conversations come up off air a few times if Rodgers wants to go to Pittsburgh. I think Rodgers wants to go to the team that's going to give him everything that he wants. I think it only makes sense for Rodgers, who is, one, a smart guy, two, kind of a conniving little weaselly type of guy, and three, in full control over whatever he wants, despite being a con under contract with Green Bay next year. His opt-out is not until 2023, but his contract is such that he doesn't he has the ability to control some movement. Pittsburgh is a team that is going to have some salary cap space next season and a little bit of a quarterback issue. Does it make sense for Aaron Rodgers to connect the dots and maybe think that Pittsburgh is a possible destination? Sure. Is Pittsburgh going to give up three number one draft picks for him? No, absolutely not. Way too old. He's going to cost way too much money. They can't do that. You're, you're, I don't think any team will, to be honest with you, just because of his age, unless they need this to win right now and they don't care what happens to him beyond the next two seasons. Denver, for example, I think is a much better uh, uh, location for him. At the same time, what gets made out of the Aaron Rodgers thing is the, the little wink and nod that he had with Mike Tomlin on the sideline, which is a fun moment. Um, I, I, it was, it was funny. It was enjoyable to watch. Rogers tried to speed him up and, and Tomlin has to call timeout. Tomlin acknowledges what he just did because he knew he was going to do it. They know each other. Mike Tomlin appreciates good football players. He always has. He talks about him in, in, in 
uh, reverent terms. Every week he's going to do that. He has certain nicknames for the top players of each team that he likes to watch. You can tell, if nothing else, Mike Tomlin absolutely loves the game of football. And he is appreciative of the guys who played at a high level. None of that means he's going to Pittsburgh. It's not even in Pittsburgh's control. They have to, to, to submit a bid to Green Bay to trade him. And that's assuming Green Bay is going to trade him. I think they'd be crazy not to. But it, none of that is in anybody's control. Rodgers can sit and pull the strings like the puppet master that he is and get people talking. He's smart enough and he's young enough to have come up in the social media era and see how much influence he can create because of that. That's all he's doing. People smart. with the idea that they legitimately think he's going to go to Pittsburgh. There's a mountain of things that need to, to, to take place for that to happen. I don't think it's likely. He's smart because he went to Cal. He's a Cal golden bear. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I can't take that away from him. Cal football, baby. We we suck. We're terrible. Just wanted to say that. <laughs> we find creative ways to lose. Steelers are Cal. We, we, we are absolutely terrible. And before we get out of here, I just want to mention this last comment to Grayson Brown, and I think you would agree. The Steelers should actually be disappointed uh, that 15, 16, and 17 were the Super Bowl seasons. And, and, and Grayson is probably right. Those were the years where, you know, you had a younger Ben – you know, they were kind of locked and loaded. I mean, those yeah. th th those were the years where, you know, they got Brady'd, just like everybody else. Um, Brady'd and running backed. Yes. Usually had injuries, Tom Brady and running backs. No, yeah. it, top top to bottom, the issue with, with those teams um, came down to the fact that they, they used one set of guys to get to where they were, and then they didn't have those guys in the playoffs. That Denver team in 2015 was damn good. They were really, really good. And the Steelers had them on the ropes until Fitz Toussaint fumbled which yep. was a great play by the rookie cornerback. You got to give him that. But that, once again, was a practice squad running back playing in the playoffs for the Steelers. And he wasn't the first in that era to do that. Do you remember the triumvirate of suck that they, against Baltimore? When you had Josh Harris, Dre Archer, and Ben Tate signed off the streets four days before the game? Yeah. None of those players ever played in the NFL again. That's who they had against the Ravens in the playoffs. They weren't going to yeah. win that game. That 2014 yeah. team was good. The 2015 team, when they got their defense figured out toward the end of the year, they were really good. They they had two great playoff games going, or, excuse me, into the 2016 team. They had two great playoff games leading into, a, obviously, a very, very tough opponent, the Patriots. I don't think that they win, but the fact is Bell wasn't healthy. He couldn't go. He was out by the end of the first quarter. And Belichick and Brady just teed off on him the rest of the game because they knew there was no retribution to them throwing deep down the field for the entire second half, which is what they did. And they, they ran the, the game out. Pittsburgh put stuff together in 17. I don't think the 2017 team was as good as the record indicated. I think the early exit, the playoffs kind of proves that they won a lot of close late games without yeah, Antonio yeah. Brown and without Chris Boswell putting up maybe the best single season in Steelers history for kickers. They're not 13 and three. That team wasn't that good. They were good. They weren't that good. Um, 2018, they kind of had to rebuild. We never saw really what 2019 could have been, but that was a good defensive team. They put it all in in 2020. You know, somebody said that they're a fool's gold team. And, uh, no, wrong. You would not have tagged Bud Dupree with no intention of signing him beyond that season if they, they honestly felt that, that team couldn't go out and compete. And they wouldn't have won 11 games if they weren't any good. They fell apart at the end. Obviously, it didn't work. But they had a good team. Circumstances change. Guys get hurt. That's what happened. You lost Dupree. You lost Bush. You lost Alulu. Without those guys, you didn't have the dominant defense that you were going to need. But they they tried to put everything together 
for that last season. And now uh, this season really is we got to pay the bill that that we took out in, in our loan to get 2020 where it was. And then we can start rebuilding it. And that's what they're doing. Before we get out of here, Neil, you have anything uh, on the Broncos side or Steelers side on the wire that you want to uh, point out to listeners? Just content. People want to look at it. Broncoswire.usatoday.com. Steelerswire.usatoday.com. Great stuff in there. Um, Broncos Wire is one of our best sites. John Heath, our editor there, does a great job. Um, definitely a lot of stuff to look at. And with that, listeners, we're going to go ahead and conclude the show. Stay safe. And as always, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. Thank you. Go Steelers.